Hello and welcome to the Learn About ME podcast series. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Ruth Richardson, and I work for Action for ME, a national charity supporting people of all ages with ME. Today's episode topic is Learn About ME in Medical Schools, the fourth in our series of podcasts. All of our podcasts are available on Buzzsprout and Spotify. We are funded by the Scottish Government to deliver a medical education project. This project aims to increase the confidence of health and social care professionals in diagnosing and supporting patients with the health condition myalgic encephalomyelitis, known as ME or ME-CFS. Alongside developing a series of podcasts, we are encouraging medical professionals to complete an online module worth one CPD point to enhance their knowledge of ME. ME is a long-term fluctuating neurological condition affecting an estimated 21,000 adults and children in Scotland. Medical education about this subject is limited. I myself recently attended the Royal College of GPs annual conference in Liverpool, and I was surprised by the number of medical students and practicing GPs that I spoke to who were unaware of the condition. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Nina Muirhead, who wrote the CPD module and is an NHS dermatologist who was first diagnosed with ME in 2017, and also three medical students who will discuss the education they have received about the condition. And we will also hear from Hannah Meikle, who has had ME for six years and has volunteered with Action for ME's mentoring project in Scotland. So firstly, welcome to the medical students, Alice, Ree and Imo. Alice, starting with you, I understand you've done some project work on MECFS. Tell us more about this. Hi there. Yeah, so I'm Alice um, and I did some research last year investigating undergraduate medical education on MECFS. So it had been identified before that um, MECFS is a gap in many health professionals' knowledge, but it hadn't really been investigated with medical students. So we decided to make a survey and send this to medical students around all UK undergrad unis. And we recruited our participants via social media or through the Medical Society's emails. We got 94 students from more than 16 medical schools. And the results of the survey clearly emphasised the need for education on MECFS in medical schools in the UK as 35% of the students didn't know what it was, 88% of the students stated that it hadn't been covered in their course, and none of the students surveyed stated that they'd been examined on the topic, and half of the students were unable to recognise 12 symptoms associated with ME-CFS and weren't aware of the significantly reduced quality of life that the condition has compared to chronic illnesses. The majority of students would like to learn more about MECFS, which is really encouraging, which demonstrates the potential for developing an interactive e-learning on MECFS to send to medical schools. And it would also be really great in the future if we could feed back these results to the unis now that this gap in knowledge has been identified so that maybe we could change the curriculum somehow. Just this survey demonstrates a new teaching opportunity for medical schools And it would be great if we could raise the awareness amongst UK medical students. Thanks, Alice. It's a really interesting project and quite startling findings there. But hopefully we will see improvement in that over time. And how do you think your medical education so far has equipped you to recognise and to treat MECFS? So before this project, I had so little knowledge of the disease. Um, It had never come up in my lectures, tutorials, clinical skills. And I'd never met a patient with MECFS on placement at all. And my first exposure to it was during my SSE or this project, 
which is known as a student selected component, where I was able to pick my own project. And I saw that Nina, who we've spoken to, um, she was a tutor available and she was obviously very passionate about it. I thought her project sounded really interesting. And since I never studied it before, I thought it'd be a great opportunity. I thought Nina would be great to work with because she's a lot of insight into the disease and a lot of experience in research. And I learned so much from the project, but without picking this, I would have no idea how to treat or recognize the disease. After the research, I'm so much more aware of the symptoms. And particularly, I'm now more aware of how we shouldn't suggest exercise as a treatment for it. Thank you. And moving on to you now, Re. So welcome to Re Fernandez. And what difference do you think has accessing the CPD module that Nina wrote on MECFS made to your understanding of the condition? Yeah, so I think the CPD module is actually really useful. So like given decent exposure to MECFS that I've had within the medical school curriculum in Dundee, I think the CPD module helped add on to that and gave me the opportunity to gain sort of deeper insight into the subject. And the questions after each case was a really nice way to test learning and recall. And I think that sort of interactive style case-based discussions really helped condense the information and offered some good take-home points as well. The greatest lesson that I learned from the whole module was actually the breadth of symptoms that MECFS can present as. So it's something that I now have at the back of my head if someone presented with the selection of these symptoms and our investigations didn't point to any other diagnoses. And so overall, I think it's been quite educational and it's a nice short module to encompass and deliver some pretty high yield knowledge on a topic that doesn't quite get as much exposure, presumably because of the vague symptoms that it can present as and then when you put it together with a whole picture you think oh this is what it might be. Bree, how would you describe your understanding of MECFS before you took Nina's module? So when I started the module and I, and I saw the terms it was definitely something that I recognized and I went back and I thought yes I've definitely learned about this maybe about two years ago. So it was during my neurology block when we did a bit about fatigue and the symptoms that come along with it we also had psychiatry that followed immediately after. So it was sometime during that overlap where I remember learning about chronic fatigue syndrome. And I think part of it was teaching that was delivered. Part of it was just my own curiosity because sometimes when you see a bunch of symptoms that are quite vague and you can't quite put the picture together, you think, how am I going to identify this if this presented as someone to me in clinic, you know? And so I looked into it further and I don't remember reading in depth information about it. I don't remember coming across the module at that time, but I definitely read like the NHS website on it. And I was like, right, okay, I think I have a decent understanding of what's going on. And so after that, when I saw the module, I was like, right, okay, this is much clearer, much more concise, more like a one-stop shop if I needed to point someone towards a good resource. Imo, thank you for joining the show today. You've also been working on a ME-based project. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Sure. So I was working with GPs to try and gauge how much they knew about ME-CFS. So I really wanted to assess their confidence in diagnosing and managing the condition. So I, like Alice, I sent out a survey to GPs and it included sort of questions about their knowledge of ME-CFS and then how confident they feel diagnosing, managing, and then they could opt into an interview afterwards. So I managed to interview some GPs as well. And I also had some really interesting results in that knowledge of the condition wasn't necessarily correlated to confidence in managing it. So actually those who rated themselves confident in their confidence in managing the condition didn't actually know that much more about it. 
70% of the GPs that I interviewed thought that ME-CFS was rare, when in fact it's a really common condition. 30% of those also thought it was psychological, not a physical illness, which is quite a shocking result in that these are GPs that are seeing patients all the time with ME-CFS, trying to, trying to manage them. And they're thinking that it's a psychological condition, not a physical one. So lots of GPs saying that they had no formal teaching on it. You know, there, there wasn't just one test that could say, yes, you've got ME or no, you don't. Let's look for other causes. So it ends up being this diagnosis of exclusion where it's a, it's a last option. They have to go through a whole range of other differentials before they come to ME-CFS, which means a massively delayed diagnosis. And these patients are just getting worse and worse before they can actually get the help that they need. Yeah, and I think it's important with, with long COVID as well, you know, it, it's, it's all related. Yes, of course, uh, many overlapping symptoms between long COVID and ME. And as research is ongoing, we're understanding more about both conditions. But Imo, what do you think would need to happen for medical students to want to specialise in working with people with ME? We understand that there's a lot of stigma around the condition at the minute, but what do you think would create that change and get people really interested in treating and managing this condition? I think a lot of it will be teaching. You know, I think we as doctors and medical students, we tend to shy away from things that we don't know because we like to be right. And so I think if you tell people, you know, and encourage them to learn and how to help and what they can do, I think that would really get the numbers up in people who, are, who want to help patients with MECFS. Before I did my project, I had no idea what it was, no idea how to identify it. And that's partly because of the medical school, partly because I just hadn't come across anyone yet. But now that I've done this project, I now feel I could confidently identify someone who has MECFS. And that knowledge and being able to, if I come across a patient in the future, I know that I could help them. And I think that encourages people to want to specialise and, and help these patients. It's sort of that reinforcing that they're not heart sink patients because you can find out what's wrong with them. You know, you can help them. It's not just a, oh, we'll try this, we'll try that, we'll try this. There are things that you can do. Thank you, Re, Imo and Alison. I'm sure I speak for many of our listeners when I say it's great that we've got young people such as yourselves moving into the field who have this interest in ME and can really foster that understanding. And I really hope that we, over time, increase the understanding around this condition and that 30% rockets up to something much higher in terms of GP understanding and confidence in this condition. Welcome to Hannah Meikle. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Hannah, what difference would it have made to your life if your GP had understood more about ME when you first became ill? It would have made a huge difference because the first part of being unwell was incredibly challenging, incredibly traumatic. And I think a lot of that was due to the fact that I didn't know what was going on. Obviously, you've got the sort of trauma of the physical symptoms that you're going through but then you've also got the trauma and overwhelm of the fact that you don't know what's happening and you don't know how long it's going to last or what it means and that's something that was made significantly worse in my experience through my interaction with GPs because it made me even more overwhelmed and even more stressed that anytime I interacted with a health professional they just didn't know what I was talking about and also weren't interested so I think if they had been in a position where they were able to help me in a fully informed way, it would have made a massive difference. For example, it might have been possible for me to finish my degree if I'd had the right support or if I'd been able to make a plan with, together with my GP about like 
what support I needed or how long I was going to be dealing with this. It would have been helpful in terms of knowing how to look after myself better and doing things that were going to be positive for me rather than negative. Um, in terms of dealing with my friends and family, explaining to them what was happening to me and, and explaining how they could support me in terms of moving forward quick, more quickly in healing rather than because I just had a total lack of information and support, I wasn't able to use the time to benefit me because I just didn't know what was happening. So if I had had access to a GP who knew what they were talking about, I could have maybe moved forward more quickly in terms of getting better and helping myself rather than sort of floundering around in chaos. So yeah, I think it would have made a massive difference in terms of coming to terms with the condition, understanding it and working out what would be the best way to move forward. What would you like newly qualified doctors to know about ME when they start to practice? Well, it was really interesting what Imo said about doctors maybe shying away from something that they don't know about, because I think what's really important is obviously, as we've established, there's a gap in knowledge and education. But just because that's the case, it doesn't mean that the condition doesn't exist. There will still be people that have it, even though we don't understand it. So I think it's really important for doctors to be able to be honest about the situation. And I think I would have found it very helpful if one of the doctors I had seen had just been upfront about what was going on and had maybe explained to me that there was a lack of information and a lack of research and that they didn't really maybe know what to suggest to me or they didn't really have anything helpful to say. That would have been helpful rather than just is sort of generally acting dismissive or acting like they weren't interested or that what I was saying wasn't important. So I think an attitude of just being honest and open about the situation would be really helpful. And then also just being kind, I think, <laughs> um, sounds small, but would obviously if you're going through something really challenging, it does make a big difference, especially if you're really isolated and are lacking people who are able to offer support Then just someone being sympathetic, I think, and taking even just a few minutes to maybe engage and see if they feel there is anything that they can do, you know, even if it's just small, I think would would be really helpful. And lastly, what would really good healthcare look like to you? Well, I think looking back on the time I've been unwell, it would have been so helpful at the start to have proper information, proper education, both for doctors and also for me, because even after all this time, I still am kind of vague on what's going on. So getting a proper understanding of what is happening would be so useful in terms of making a plan, working at some kind of rough time scale, you know, putting something into place in terms of working out how you're going to move forward with your life, how you're going to incorporate other aspects of your life around the illness. And then obviously additional support. For example, I had to ask for a referral to any kind of specialist service that wasn't immediately offered to me I only knew about it from having talked to other people so I think easy and straightforward referrals to other services specialists and then anything else that could help for example mental health support from the side effects of having to deal with something like this help and support for example with finances benefit system is pretty much impossible to navigate by yourself if you're unwell support for family any other kind of support available would be great because I think when people don't understand it they just dismiss it and then it's very difficult to access any other kind of support yourself so it would be amazing if 
as soon as you went to the GP, all of these things were then suggested. What about this? What about this? Let's look at this. You know, let's make an appointment for this would be incredibly helpful. You know, even if these people aren't experts in the illness, just having a a range of people who have something to offer, I think, would be very useful. Thank you so much for sharing your experience today, Hannah. If anyone is listening to this and would like more information and support about living with ME or, or gaining a diagnosis, Action for ME has a helpline and an email support service that people can contact on 0117-927-9551 or you can email questions at actionforme.org.uk. Hannah, you've been involved with Action for Emmy as a mentor. Would you like to tell us a bit about your experience of that? Yeah, of course. I joined the Mentor Me programme in Scotland. It wasn't that long into my illness, actually. And it was incredibly positive experience because I was able to join a group of people and be part of something bigger than myself. And I was also able to use my experience of going through something very challenging in a positive way in that I was able to help support other people with the illness to work out what the best way forward for them. So it was really great for me that I was able to get something positive out of what was happening in my life. Our final guest today is Dr. Nina Muirhead, who has written the online module and is very interested in medical education around this condition. Nina, when you became ill with ME, what did you understand about the condition and how best to treat it? So to begin with, I didn't really know anything at all about the condition. I wasn't taught about it at medical school. I looked online and I saw the nice guidelines at the time, which were the 2007 guidelines, and read that patients with MECFS benefit from cognitive behavioural therapy and graded exercise. And that didn't fit with what I was experiencing. I had a huge range of multi-system symptoms, which were exacerbated by exercise. I love exercise and I used to run regularly. And what I found is I enjoyed it at the time and then would completely crash afterwards and I wouldn't be able to move for a few days. So I wasn't deconditioned and I certainly wasn't lazy and exercise wasn't helping. So I thought that wasn't the disease that I had and completely dismissed it. It took me 11 months and I saw 13 different doctors by the time I was diagnosed. And it was only because my GP knows two other patients who are moderate and severely ill with MECFS that she recognised it in me straight away from the history. And what do you think is the most important thing that you want to tell anyone now in medical education about ME? If they have been taught about it, they may need to relook at it from scratch. They may have been taught that patients can get better with psychotherapy or graded exercise. That's not the case. If, In fact, if anything, patients get worse and their symptoms are exacerbated by exercise And that's at a physiological level. There's nothing to do with the thoughts, feelings and behaviours of the patient. So starting from scratch, looking at the new evidence is definitely the way to approach relearning about this disease. And they can go online and do the module. Yes. And the module is available through the Action for ME website, but also if you go on to Learner PRM and search for chronic fatigue syndrome, you can go straight onto the free module worth one CPD point. And Nina, thinking about Scotland more specifically, how would you like to see the clinical pathway or professional development opportunities for healthcare around ME improve? I think the infrastructure is slightly different in Scotland in that they do not have as much special clinic support. So 
um, that's partly geographical as well. Within each region, it would be helpful to have GPs with special interest in MECFS. And as they develop more experience with a range of patients, they will start to become specialists themselves. They'll also be more local to the patient and understand the pressures on, um, for example, local education and other things that are particularly relevant to that patient demographic area. Well, thank you all so much for joining today. It's been great to get your experience and perspectives on this really interesting issue. I've been Ruth Richardson, and this has been the Learn About ME and Medical Education podcast. I'd like to thank our project partners, ME Action Scotland, the ME Association and the 25% ME Group, and also Charitable PR for their support in creating the podcast for this project. And of course, all of our listeners for taking the time to listen today. If you want to find out more about the work of the charities in this project, you can visit emeaction.net or find them on Twitter, emeassociation.org.uk. And the website for the 25% group is 25megroup.org. Action for ME has a website with lots of resources, including the module, and that's actionforme.org.uk. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do like, share, and subscribe to this podcast.